Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. And as all of you know, Bandwagon Nerds is a part of the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head and we have another exciting show for you this week a follow-up show for the most part um from last week's program where we discussed the arrival of bob Iger, the re-return of bob Iger as ceo of disney there's been a lot of fallout it was also a huge week for trailers we have a loaded trailer park this week as opposed to a Less than loaded trailer park like we had last week. And they just kept dropping. We're here on Sunday recording this for a Tuesday program. Or a Monday program, sorry. Sorry, I got my shows shows flipped, fellas. Uh, Loaded loaded trailer park after last week we had like two. And this week, even today, I was like, do I add a sixth trailer to the trailer park? Lots to talk about and share. Uh, And we're also going to do something a little different with the nerd review as PC Tony and myself, who is here, the, the live studio audience, Mr. Saturday Night, PC Tony, watched Spirited on Apple TV+, Plus, starring Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. We are also joined by the Reverend Ray Cash. Great, great show. Gentlemen, we'll start with Ray. How are we feeling today? How, how, how are we back on the bandwagon? Well, it's good to be back. Um, I'm back in uh inconsistent mode right now doing the best i can to hop on but you know uh we had a good fun spirited debate today and i tried to make a little time to hop on there hop on the the good old call yes uh patrick aka the 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 pot stirrer himself in my defense i did not expect that conversation to happen when i posted that article so we'll get to that in a second. We're, let's let's yeah. bring PC Tunney onto the show as well, Mr. Saturday Night. How are you today, sir? 
you are like a casual observer in in the uh, in the conversation queue, if anything, this morning. I yeah, the new chapter for Fortnite dropped, so I was playing Fortnite and just like, <laughs> watching, looking to my left on the on the uh, on the on the coffee table next to the chair that I'm sitting in, watching my phone just blow up, and I'm like, oh, they're on one. That's too bad. So am I. You're a smart man because I should have been playing Madden instead of going back and forth with the rest of the group. I, I really just so here's what happened, noble listeners. So this morning, and actually we gotta go back in time even a little bit further. So James Gunn has been posting images and and about a week or so ago, I wanna say, maybe even less than, he had posted a Twitter, he had made a Twitter post with the uh, with the caption making plans and it was an image from the dc justice league story arc kingdom come and dave dave got pre-excited you know we talk about pre-mad a lot on this show dave got pre-excited at the idea of like a kingdom come a kingdom come movie series whatever so he he like he goes from like zero to it's happening and I had merely made the point that James Gunn has been doing this a lot. Like he's been sharing images and, and making comments that get it, 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 it's a hype train. Like it's it's clearly a hype train and absolutely fine for him to do. And so with that context, the nerdist happened to put out an article. I, I didn't even see the date of it, that just chronicled all of the different teases. James Gunn had put out. So I share that. And I don't know whether it was Dave or whether it was Aesop, but one of them started talking about the Blue Beetle, uh, the Blue Beetle film, because the poster's been revealed. There's a trailer coming. Like, this movie is happening. It's, it's coming out August 18th, 2023. Yes. Right. So, I, and, and here, I, I, I'm trying to figure out how I want to describe how this went down. Basically, David Aesop were like, and even myself were like, you know, this is, I don't know if this is the franchise builder or what, like, that's really where I was coming from. Full yeah. disclosure is Blue Beetle as the first, and, it, and it, it's almost a little unfair to James Gunn because it's not like James Gunn was the producer who announced, like, the Blue Beetle was announced before James Gunn was announced as the head of the DC uh, Cinematic Universe, whatever it's going to be. And so, cast it. And cast like the whole Joe thing's Lowe been played before James, yeah, right. So like this whole thing is in existence and happening, and the, the the crux of the question and the argument came down to whether so I think Asap called it a mid level hero, and, and you know I you know a few a few months ago, maybe less than a few months ago, we'd had this big dis- debate about mid level villains. This seems like mm-hmm. the, the same conversation we're having just in regards to the Blue Beetle. And my, my, my basic argument is that as a property for a film in American cinemas, is this really, it, I feel it is a risky venture if you are to argue that it is the tentpole to start off the next DC Cinematic Universe, whatever it is. And here's the thing, it may not be, because as we've mentioned before, it was the film like the film was announced before the film was announced cast has been shooting before James Gunn took over. So he really is probably just doing his job of supporting a film that's coming out under his watch. Uh, but it, it turned into this whole thing about whether the audience was, was going to be an audience that would turn out, uh, 
whether whether it's a household name for me it's not about where they are in the comics now that as a character it's it's about if i were to say pc tunny tell me your favorite blue beetle story what's pc tunny's answer going to be may i retort to that please i was gonna let 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 pc tunny not answer real quick and then you can retort oh i did well i didn't we didn't hear it because ray said may i retort oh i said that one that one and that is the crux of my uh, of my basic blue, argument the, is the that blue beetle is is that it is a risky venture to argue that it will be a tentpole for the next step in, in DC. And who knows? Now you may retort. Um. So first and foremost, two, I want to do two quick things before I retort. I promise it won't be long. Number sure. one, I want to apologize to you on air because I snapped at you yeah. in the chat, and I don't. I'm not apologizing for what I said. But I I snapped and I shouldn't have snapped. Um, more a lot of the times people take my arguments and assume that I'm I feel a certain way based on my argument. I'm I'm usually arguing arguing semantics. I'm not arguing my feelings most of the time. But I do apologize because Patrick, you're my friend and I love you and I shouldn't have snapped at you. I was having a cruddy morning. I'm sorry. So I want to get that out the way. Um, and uh, I want to do an air. You know, be a man about it. Uh, number one. Well, thank you. But yeah, of course, man. I love you, man. You know that. Um, but to the greater point, you know, these conversations, which are it's a good conversation to have. It's a it's a fair argument, um, are funny to me because I think we're so in the bubble, and this is your argument actually, which is funny about this to me. We're so in the bubble that sometimes we can't see outside of that bubble. And I think because we're comic fans and and nerds and you know um, pop culture extraordinaires and whatnot, we think that everything not only is revolved around us, but has to be about us. There is the assumption, not saying you, but I think in general, that most people believe that the people watching comic book properties are fans of that comic book property. That argue that the majority of the people going to the movies to watch these movies don't know shit about the property. They're just following either the actor in the movie, they're following the brand of the movie, or they're following the trailers and what looks cool. Now, Marvel, what the reason they've excelled what they're doing is they found the perfect medium to cater to the people who don't know anything about their properties and to cater to the people that they do. And it's a perfect medium. It is not many things in this world are perfect. That's as perfect as it gets. DC's working on that. Comes to the Blue Beetle movie, right? You're absolutely right. 90, 95% of people, 99% of people have no idea who James, who Jaime Reyes is or Ted Cord is or what the damn Beatle is or the Reach or any of that, right? Nobody knows that stuff. Or Booster Gold, who's his best friend and have, they have a, a, they're buddy cops, right? Nobody knows about any of this stuff most of the time. That's cool. But when you see that first trailer, it may change people's minds, which is why the argument I, the argument I put out is simply this. Take away the fact that this is a DC movie. Even take away the fact that this is a superhero property. If you were to just tell people that on Netflix or Apple TV, there was a show or a movie about a Hispanic, a young, good-looking Hispanic kid, right, who was in bed or bit or, or, or um, connected to this parasite that gave him the powers of basically of Iron Man, 
and it was played by Jolo Marinduena, the dude who plays Miguel and Cobra Kai, what did that interest people? And I guarantee you, I'm willing to put my neck out and say, I guarantee you, a good portion of people are going to be like, oh, what's that? You know, so to connect it to the history or the relevancy of the character, I think is unfair. And then to that point, and I'll finish my point here, if you are keeping up with current DC properties in terms of comic books, um, uh, cartoons and, and animated uh, features and things of that nature, the character is becoming more and more and more relevant. It's very similar to the conversation of should Cyborg be a Teen Titan or the seventh member of the of the OG Justice League instead of Hug Girl or Aquaman, right? Cyborg was just the Teen Titan, the secondary character. Now he's one of the top guys because they saw they needed to flip it, give a little bit of a different diversity uh, addition to that main people. I'm not saying Blue Beetle is that, but Blue Beetle is absolutely not the 51st guy you think of in DC anymore. He is absolutely higher on the list of that character, of that character hierarchy, if you're looking at right now. So if we were to do talk about this in 2020, in 2011, or when did the MCU start? 20, 2008, right? Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's coming up on 15 years. Yeah, it's... Good God. It's been so around. Just, let's, let's say around the time that Downey got Iron Man. We would have had this conversation then, and yeah, we people would be crazy to say, "Hey, there should be a Blue Beetle movie." That's insane. But now, it's perfectly within the realm of possibility. Yes, I hear what you're saying, and the only the only thing that I I, I just I disagree about the character and the level of the character to a broader audience, the the cinema going heights. I and I actually when we had the discussion. I was ambivalent about Iron Man as a solo, as the first. So I even said this. I thought Iron Man was a tremendous risk a to kick off to kick off a Marvel film franchise. I felt like the Hulk was a tremendous risk to kick off, you know, to be a part of the kickoff Marvel franchise. And Marvel, as we've talked about many, many times on this show, they went with the properties that they could because they didn't own Spider-Man. They didn't own the X-Men. They didn't own the Fantastic Four, so they took a look at what they had left. And honestly, they picked the 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 they picked number two or number three known commodity to kick off their first film with Iron Man, in my opinion. Because if I and I even said this, if it was me, I would have made a Captain America movie first, because that's a logo that exists, has flown around. You know, we'll we'll have to wait and see. I think a lot of it hinges on what the trailer looks looks like and, and what what the initial response is because this is still very much part of the DC like towards the end, sort of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks sort of deal. It's the same thing in my opinion as Black Adam. Like they threw Black Adam against the wall to see if it would stick. It kinda stuck. Um I don't I don't but it didn't that, stick. But I feel you. But it didn't stick as it didn't stick as hard as it, as it could. I just don't know, right? Like I don't I don't know where it's gonna where it's gonna pan out. And if it if it speaks to a broader audience, sure. You had said you, you and I don't want to put this completely on you. And then we'll we'll actually move into the to the heart of the show a, a little bit further. Get get Tony in a little bit as well. You had talked about what this movie could make. 
with a mm -hmm. positive trailer in response, let's say it gets it. Let's say the trailer generates the buzz that we want that, that DC wants it to, and it gets the critical response that DC wants it to. Because Black Adam did not get the critical response that, that DC wanted it to. What yeah. do you think is a reasonable, successful result in terms of box office for Blue Beetle? I'm gonna say, and this is. Continue with the assumption that uh, nothing stops us from going to the movies. And I know that's a, a bit ridiculous to say now, but you never know at this point what could be like, oh, can't go again. I think reasonable is between 300 and 400. I think okay. they're aiming for 500 mil. I think that would be the aim. Because the movie's probably going to cost about 75 to 100 million. Because of, if you if you if you know the character of Jaime Reyes and Blue Beetle. It's he's a mecha type character, but it's not like he gets into a suit. He is the living suit. The there's a beetle that is in bed on his back that's a living parasite. It's not a parasite, but I guess you could symbiote. say that because it needs you can call it a, it's a symbiote. 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 Yes, it's a very symbiote. venom. Perfect word. Carnage. Those exactly. Things. Yeah. Which is why this, you talk about uh, you asked uh, Tony what story do you know about that? The story of the Reach coming can be fun. I think, um, yeah. but um, no, yeah. So I, with all the CGI is going to be needed and whatnot, I, you know, they they they're going to be profitable. It hits two hundred, three hundred mil. So you're um, thinking? That's so that's cool. I mean, that's Ant Man money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ant Man, Black Widow money. You know. Well, we don't so, know what Black Widow money would have been because it was <laughs> Disney Plus. Good so. point. But yes, point. I I hear your point. Um, okay. See, that's I I actually think that's a reasonable expectation. I think that we'll, you know, we'll know in August. And and here's the other things that we don't we don't know yet. We don't know what else is going to be released that weekend. Is Blue Beetle going to have its own box office? August as a box office is a lower box office than July and June. The in terms of summer, like it just it just is. So we got a long ways to go, and we haven't seen anything of this movie yet. That is coming. So all of that is to say, we'll see. Uh, and we'll see what, what the actual response is and, and what the turnout is. Okay, so let's get into the other bit of business that, I, that, that we had talked about doing last week. Um, you know, Dave, speaking of Disney, haha, Dave is actually hanging out with the mouse today. I do believe uh, doing whatever it is that, you know, kids, Bob, Iger paid. We are here uh, holding down the fort. And last week after finishing Lock and Key, Closing the door on Cristobal, as it were. We then uh, talked about what to do before the premiere of Doom Patrol. And I suggested a holiday feature. Just so happens there was a new holiday feature that hit Apple TV Plus, starring Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell, called Spirited. And I was like, hell, why don't we give that a watch? It's been getting advertised relatively heavily by Apple uh, here and there within the social media realm, not so much on television. But let's give it a watch, see what we think. It, it's, you know, a supernatural Christmas story that is a twist on a popular, famous tale. It's a musical. Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds. I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought I finished it today before taping. Uh, and I'll just start with, it was an enjoyable romp. Uh, the musical routines being what they were. Uh, but... For, for kind of a different take on the Christmas Carol story, I thought it was a lot of fun. Tony, before we kind of get into the guts of it, 
What did you think of Spirited? No, the idea of what was happening to the ghost of Christmas Present was the main right. storyline, <clears throat> which was an interesting take. Yeah. I really liked that. I enjoyed the musical uh, parts of the show. Me too. I thought it was well done. I thought it was, uh, it was, I think it was well planned out within telling the story because there were parts of the original story they did tell along with this, you know, superseding storyline that, you know, well, you can, you'll explain it in a second, but I thought it was, it was just barely good. Just barely good. Okay. And it could have been really good, but it was too long. Yeah, yeah, it was it was two hours long. It did kind of go a little no, bit further. No, it was further. more than that. It, it was like two really? fifteen or two, yeah, it was more than two hours. Yeah. I thought, and I was like, or "Wow, this is goddamn, that's a blast." Like, well, this is taking musicals a little, tend to be long. They could have, I think they could have tightened it up a little bit. That's all. You, musical, I mean, musicals are so long they tend to have intermissions. For example, like the Sound of Music when the Sound of Music hit theaters, like there was an intermission. <laughs> uh, so that's not unheard of. So the basic story here is that the Christmas Carol story is actually something that gets done every year. That there is this otherworldly ghost organization that picks one person that the three spirits are researching for an entire year to then try to get them to change their ways and do better for mankind. And Will Ferrell, as as Tony mentioned, plays the ghost of Christmas present. And he's been in this role for 40-some years. But he's been dead for around 200, and that's important as you kind of learn uh, a little bit uh, a little bit later. There is a little bit of a twist with Will Ferrell's character, and they're just who wrapping he actually up. Is. Yes, who he actually is. But they're just, yeah, just wrapping up. That out. Thank you. <laughs> I just figured out who he is. So yeah. Yeah, it's not really that hard to figure out. Um, but they, the movie opens with them doing the wrap up of the previous year's person that they're they're transforming. And then it goes into. Yeah. Sorry. And her name just so happens to be Karen, which is is funny, and it's like a get off my lawn kind of lady. So it's 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 you know it's ironic and topical all at the same time. But anyway, uh, but then the movie kicks off with the organization researching their next person, and Will Ferrell, whose character is kind of dissatisfied with the job, is considering retiring because when you retire or at least his retirement package is that he would return to earth uh, as a living person to be able to then, you know, kind of live out another life. He's not finding satisfaction completely within the job. So they start doing their research the next day while they're researching this angry hotel manager, Ryan Reynolds, character comes across and he is basically a social media influencer. Like his whole empire and job and and what he has done is all about swaying public opinion through social media and will ferrell observes him and decides that's the guy now the manager of the group is run by the ghost of jacob marley who presents a file saying that ryan reynolds's character is quote unredeemable and will ferrell begs to have the challenge taken on it is agreed to the ghosts do their research, and upon introducing themselves to Ryan Reynolds on Christmas Eve, everything goes wrong as Ryan Reynolds, A, doesn't care about being redeemed, and basically just fucks with the whole system at every turn. He sleeps with the ghost of Christmas past. He, yes. <laughs> uh, 
his character then is stuck because she's compromised. Will Ferrell's Ghost of Christmas Present then takes over the role of the Ghost of Christmas Past and Present to try and change Ryan Reynolds' character's ways. And throughout the whole way, Ryan Reynolds continues to push back. And in between, there are musical numbers and hilarity ensues. Um, it's an interesting take. It's a little bit. Of, it's a. It's a bit more of a, a cynical, sort of realistic take on the whole. On the whole conceit of a Christmas Carol, the argument basically comes to be that there's a much finer, much more gray between what it means to be a good person versus a bad person than than the way it kind of works sure. in a Christmas Carol, and. You know, kind of, it really flips into a story about the ghost of of Christmas Present over kind of the redemption of the Ryan Reynolds character, which is still a thread that you follow. I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Do I think I'll watch it every Christmas? No. It won't replace Scrooged. No Hmm. way. But it was fine. No, it... It's not an an instant rotational Christmas movie. It's kind of a... I'm glad I watched it because it was decent, but yeah, I will never watch that again. Literally, it was it was too it was too long though. It it just was. Shame. I mean, uh, I'm I'm glad they did it. It you know, the, Ryan Reynolds went a little bit too Ryan Reynolds at at times, but they really leaned into that with the character they had him play anyway. So for what it was, it was fine. I don't know if how much money they're going to make on it or, or what that kind of did. Cause that was in theaters as well. Wasn't it for like a day that it was one of those, it was one of those tactical things uh, that some of the streaming companies do, which is, it's a fascinating business model in, in some regards because Netflix does this all the time. Like they'll have a, they'll have a streaming film that'll get like rave reviews for people like watching well, stream, but they'll put it in theaters for like a day so that it Glass can be Onion, eligible right? for Oscars. What's that? Glass, Glass Onion. Onion. Yeah, Glass Onion's yeah. a good the, example. The, the, the Irishman. The was uh, Beast of Donation with Idris uh, Elba was, I think, the first one I remember them doing that with because that was the one that was really up for multiple Oscars. Yeah, the Scorsese, like, oh, the Scors- the Scorsese movie was another one. The, the Irishman was another one that I remember. One, you talk about and a movie just, that was too long, but whew. No, and just for the record, though, and I said it about Wakanda Forever, and I'm saying it about Spirited, I, I don't think a movies that have a certain length are too long because I like The Irishman, so I thought that was fine. Sure. I, I agree. I think the ending kind of drug out, really, is that like the, the kind of the, the, the climax into the, the ending. It was very, as, as Dave, or, or not a, yeah, as Dave would put it, very Lord of the Rings-ish. Where it just felt like okay, we could have ended it here. We could have ended it here. I didn't fall asleep, so we could ended it. Yeah, it wasn't that bad, but like it, it did go on and on. But on a scale of was it Egghead or Eggman? I, I always forget his name. To to um, Catwoman, Tony, your 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 Adam West Batman rating of Spirited. Oh, uh, probably right around the Burgess Meredith Penguin, where you know it's not not better than mediocre, but not great. All right, on a scale of um, Mole Man to Doctor Doom, I'm gonna give it a Sandman. So that'll be my ranking, slightly above average. I didn't feel like I completely wasted my time. Hmm. 
you know, it's interesting to me just hearing you guys talk about the movie. Yeah. You remember the one thing I said? I don't you may not remember, but the one thing I said that that I wouldn't call it a criticism, but the one thing that I found weird was that um it I thought visually it would make more sense for Ryan Reynolds to be the ghost and for um uh Farrell to be the Scrooge character. Well, I didn't Farrell know how actually, to say it. Farrell actually was the Scrooge character. And I see, look at that. See? I, I didn't even shit. know. There you go. Spoiler alert! Oh wait, bandwagon nerds is not spoiler. Honestly, free. it's fine. To me, to me, to me, the two best things about the movie were the musical aspect and the twist of the idea of what was actually happening. That Will Ferrell was actually trying to live his own life again, and you know, but he had to feel like he was worthy of being redeemed as well. So. The, before you were talking about Karen, and I wasn't really laughing at that. I was laughing at remembering them talking about, because Ray had just figured out who Will Ferrell played. I remember them talking about um, Tiny Tim and, and Will Ferrell. Oh, and he, couldn't, and, and he couldn't remember Tiny Tim's yeah, name. Like my right. super, super small Steve is my favorite one. He goes <laughs> that was, that was pretty funny. He goes even, even deeper on the alliteration with, with three instead of two. So, um, yeah. That was a good uh, There's good parts in it. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, folks, if you're listen if you if you're looking for a movie to watch with your family one night and everybody's home and it's snowed outside and it's christmas spirit and the trees up and everything and the hot chocolates on and whatever go ahead and watch it you'll enjoy it especially if you have kids that are you know like between seven and eleven they'll like the musical parts because it's christmasy and it's will ferrell and it's ryan reynolds so b minus c plus right in there and i think we're at the point i haven't seen the movie I'll watch it sometime. You know, this Christmas is a little rough for me this year. Um, it's it, you won't well, you won't watch it though, Ray. You want to know why? Because you'll look at it and it's going to be like two hours and twelve minutes or something, and you'll be like, okay, let me find something that's like an hour and a half. That is intimidating, but I love both guys. I love Ro Farrell and Ryan Reynolds, so I'm I'm on the fence, but I, I want to watch it. I'll also um, give but, a I'll also give a bit of love and a shout out to Octo- Octavia Spencer as a oh, guest. Yeah. Uh, guest star in that as well. She's a lot. Of, she's fun. She's a nice character. She's kind of the Bob Cratchit character in the in the movie. Um, can we put some can we put some respect on my boy Will Ferrell singing singing uh, ability though? Because like I know we oh, yeah. jokes about that in movies a lot, but homie can really sing, like genuinely sing. I mean, one of his one of his primary, you know, characters on Saturday Night Live was. That that singing role that yeah God with him and the other teacher I, where they would sing all the like modern tunes yeah. all goofy. Oh, yeah. Yes. Gas Tire, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The love, not the love. That wasn't the love. What is the what was their name? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm I'm a, but, yeah. it's a no nerd like hot that, mic, yeah. hot hot mic. Oh 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 my. <laughs> anyway, all right, folks. There you have it. Fun little movie, not particularly memorable. Tony and I didn't feel like our day was completely wasted. But not necessarily the best holiday film you could catch this year. Before we leave comedy and SNL, Kiki Palmer was on SNL last night. Did a really good job. Murdered it. Maybe the sketch Hilarious. of the year, the Keenan and Kelly sketch. Oh my so God, that good. was funny as hell. There was a bunch of really good ones last night. So an above average SNL, I'd say above average season so far. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, let's keep that train going. We're going to take our first commercial break now and head into a loaded trailer park when we come back. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, 
a part of thechairshot.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, everyone, welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds. Gentlemen, there is no David Ungar today, which means there's no banjo. There will be no imaginary banjo there will be no spoken banjo take it off ray take it off put it away put it back on the shelf thank you thank you you can pout tony didn't even bother i appreciate you for not even bothering things are a lot more fun when patrick misses and dave's here instead dave's yep. gone and now patrick's here oh yeah. it's like it's like when you go to dad's house for the weekend instead of mom's yeah Speaking of boo, England just scored a goal on Senegal. And things are so bad with the Packers, I'm watching the England-Senegal soccer match over the Packers-Bears. Yeah, I gave up up on the World Cup after we lost to the damn dirty Dutch Mantels. That's just Uh, really annoying. Listen, listen, I got to tell you, I'm so tolerant of other people's cultures, except for the fucking Dutch. (laughs) Good God. That's a Mike. That's a that's an Austin Powers reference. It is. Yeah. That's that's where that whole thing. I uh, the Mrs. O'Dowd, uh, strong strong Dutch. Dive. I, you can sum that game up real quick. The Dutch created themselves three excellent opportunities, capitalized on all of them. U.S. is going to be getting even better in four years because they have a young team. So good on them for what they did. I could Sounds, do one better. Oh, one fucking minute changed the entire game. Oh, Patrick's mad. No, because I want to talk about Cocaine Bear, which is our first trailer in the trailer park. Oh, like, how can we, how can we not talk you? about Cocaine Bear? I should, I should have led with bear. that. Yeah, Here, geez, Louise. Here's what I think is hilarious: is is like my boss. Uh, so I'm at work when this trailer drops, and I'm kind of looking around the office down the hallway, and I'm like, <laughs> "Who's gonna watch this with me?" <laughs> I'm like, "I'm just gonna watch this." Like and, and, and so I hit play. And all of a sudden, my boss is like what are you doing? And I was like, cocaine bear. He's like, what are you talking about? It's like the movie cocaine bear. And he's like, wait, that's a movie. Like somebody made a movie. Like, what's the movie? I was like, there's really no plot, dude. A a bear, a bear consumes 40 kilos of cocaine and then goes on a rampage box office gold. Do you, it's funny because you're explaining this to, to your boss. Do you, like, I think I'm the first one to bring this up in the chat. I, I posted the poster came out. And right. before I posted the poster to, to the chat, I literally went to Google and was like cocaine bear to make sure it was a real movie. Right. So right. I get made fun of by you guys for being like, oh, yeah, Tony, you got, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then when I posted the poster in the chat, I said, guys, 
this is a real movie. <laughs> I had to preface it with that. So here's it the was. best part. Not only is it the best oh, movie, sorry. Elizabeth Banks is like the director or the producer. Like I can't she's remember. She's a director. She's looks... in fact she's a director, and I guess you could call it the showrunner because she's the this one that could... got the rights for it. This could be the one of the best movies of all time because it looks like they're not afraid to add some real kitschy things into it, but at the same time there are some very suspenseful and and dramatic parts. It's really comedy at it. its best. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna have to watch this. Maybe they, dude, would they do Cocaine Bear in 3D? Holy shit! So maybe. Also, you're you're, not, you're both interested. You didn't no, no, no. laugh it off. You both were like, oh. Hmm. Oh no, no, I, I, it probably lends it. This is, this is good. I think it's going to be better than snakes on a plane. Um, here, let me, let me give the comp real quick. But why? Cause I, Tony, you're very excited about this. I'm happy. You're very excited about this. The cop. I'm sick of here, these motherfucking bears on this motherfucking cocaine. Here's, here, here's what you're going to see though. And, and, and here's my comp. There's another guy director out there who really made their hay doing these kinds of movies before they, I don't know, took over a Marvel film franchise before moving on to being the head of DC creative. This is a James Gunn movie. This is a James Gunn type of movie. Slither being the the most popular example uh, of his work. That's what this is. Elizabeth Banks. It's not an accident. There's a connection there, by the way. You look at this thing, it's notable, like, famous people are in this film. Like, it's, it's good, and it's going to make money. It's going to be, it's low budget, it's going to make a shit ton of money, and I look forward to Cocaine Bear 2. It's unbelievably loosely based on a true story. Yes. How hilarious would it be if, like, everything that happened in the movie really happened in real life? Would that not be hilarious? Horrible, but hilarious? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, I I can't I, I really can't wait to see this thing, like. And so it, you you you, you mentioned snakes on the plane. Yep. Snakes on the plane to me is like the absolute epitome of like terrible gold movies. So it's it's got a lot to go. I think it's gonna be great. But the thing that puts Snake on the snakes on the plane just still above Cocaine Bear in terms of thought process now until I see the movie is Cocaine Bear. The movie's about to bear. Snakes in the plane ain't about the snakes. It's true. The snakes are the snakes are like the zombies in The Walking Dead. They're there. They're the plot device. You know, if, if I get one of those actors like really like makes the movie, then okay, we're good. But right now, the movie's about the bear. I can't wait. I can't wait. This is gonna be gold. And here's the thing: is the social media response to it has been tremendous <laughs> as well. So it is the title character. It is. It's gonna be outstanding. All right, let's go to one. We're going to move to another trailer. This is the franchise that won't die, you guys. It just won't die. It's the it's the live-action Transformers series. The evolution from Michael Bay, Shia LaBeouf, to we now have gotten our first trailer for Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Now, I have a confession. I kind of want to see this movie. Oh, yes. We all grew up with the Beast Wars Transformers. No, no, I didn't. I grew up with the 1980s Optimus Prime, Red Box. But they didn't track. have that then too. 
No, Beast War Beast Wars was very much a '90s thing. It was way after. Well, we had. Sorry, I thought it was. I thought it was. Our child. No, no, yeah. Um, we had the Dinobots, but but my generation of Transformers is Optimus Prime, Starstream, Megatron. Beast Wars came later, kind of kind of after the franchise had died down a little bit. Like that, there was that peak GI Joe Transformers era in the '80s, before Beast Wars came along in the '90s when I kind of stopped watching cartoons. Now, here's the other thing I'll say about the the, the Transformers franchise because I have a very conflicted relationship with this because Michael Bay, when he started making robot nuts jokes left and right and robots were peeing on everything left and right, I kind of. He kind of made me hate something I loved from my childhood. Then the Bumblebee movie came along and kind of won me back a little bit because it cashed in on my nostalgia for the old look of the Transformers. And they did that 1980s looking Transformer thing in the form of flashbacks that that made my day and was my first introduction to Haley Steinfeld. So it's got that as well. This is supposedly a film that takes place between the events of Bumblebee and uh, the first Transformers movie starring Shia LaBeouf. And so if you look, Optimus Prime looks more closer to his 80s look than he does the Michael Bay look. The, the, the Beast War care, the Beasts look awesome. They look really cool. The little O'Dowd was like, I think the ape Beast from Beast Wars looks excellent. And so he is fully on board with Transformers, Rise of the Beast. Ray, you you showed a little excitement. What say you? Uh, well, I am a child of the 90s. So, of course, I have that uh, connection to the Beast Wars, although it's going to be weird to see Optimus not beat the gorilla, but whatever. Um, but casting is so important. Anthony Ramos and Dominic Fishback. Fantastic cast. Uh, casting. So... Um, I'm visually, I'm in for, I'm in there, you know, um, Transformers is the perfect amount of turn your brain off and just enjoy type movie. Um, I would be curious to know where this stands in the kind of the Transformers verse. Is Haley Steinfeld still around? What happened to Mark Wahlberg? We know, or at least I believe we know that Shia LaBeouf died or was killed. So, but where's Haley? Where's... Mark Wahlberg, like, where do they stand? Are they going to pop up in this movie? Stuff like that. There's across my mind. But in terms of, like, watching it, I don't know if I'll go to the theaters and watch it, but this will definitely be a first-day rent. Oh, dude, this is a this is a smorgasbord for the eyes in 3D. I, like, if... if oh, well, the, then Tony's going to give... If the Transformer... If Tony was into the Transformers, and I don't know if he is or not, he'll get to speak on that. This is... I think this movie's right up his alley. Big fan cartoons in the 80s growing up like patrick said i i was you know in uh, before i was i was all those numbers before 10 in the 80s so um that was big all those and oddly enough uh, yes i was uh (laughs) and oddly enough i didn't kind of get into the next part of the storytelling there in in the 90s of what they're about to talk about but i am intrigued by it it does look good and obviously this movie has always lent itself to 3D. Uh, DP's a fan as well, so I'd imagine we'll we'll find our way to some Saturday early afternoon 3D showing, followed by 
obviously drinks and greasy food at a bar. Very, very nice. All right. Ray shared this next trailer uh, yesterday, I do believe. HBO has released its newest trailer for The Last of Us. Tells us a little bit more about the series for those of us who aren't familiar with the video game. I never played the game. Uh, something something happened when I had a, or when my kid came along where video games became non-existent. I no longer play um, I no longer play video games, and it makes me a little sad. However, um, who sorry, lost my breath there for a second. However, <laughs> this looks like a good little bit of um, zombie, a post-apocalyptic fun. We have. Was it Pedro Pascal? No. Pedro, the the um, MVP of all television and movies for the past yeah. two years. Yes. Yes. Uh, is in the lead as a, a guy who is protecting a girl who seemingly has immunity to the virus that turns people into zombies. That looks to be the, the plot of the trailer. She seems to be a reluctant savior. He seems to be a reluctant protector. And between the two of them... They got to get him to a medical facility somewhere to make it so. Let's go to Ray. Your thoughts on this latest trailer? I know you just watched it. I'm glad you said. I'm glad you came to me first. Um, I have a love hate relationship with The Last of Us. Okay. Because I wanted I I I wanted to play the game when it came out. I was interested in the game. It looks great. But you guys know I'm a big Walking Dead fan. But more than that. The Walking Dead Telltale game series with Clementine and Lee is one of my favorite games I've ever played in my life, ever. I'd put that up against any game that's ever been created. And they came out around the same time. And that, so it was so innocent. The, the idea is so similar. The lost kid who, while Clementine isn't the, uh, the immunity fixed to the apocalypse, but she's like, the, the the hero in the story and she finds this guy who has to take care of her and is like the unwitting father for, same it's the same it was the same deal so i never played the game and i knew the series was coming out um and pedro pascal my boy was in it so i was interested in what it would be but i have re i refused to watch the trailer as weird as that sounds me being the one to put it in the group right and for the show right before the show i watched it and like i was moved that trailer is fantastic and I got to watch it now. And I, I feel a little silly um, because it's so good. And if casted well, the, the trailer was, was put together perfectly. I know it's going to be fire. Um, but I still believe that if they ever did a Walking Dead series with Clementine and Lee, that would be the one. But no, this is going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. Um, it needs to be a series. Too much going on in that movie. Too much going on in that show. Too much going on in that story. And The Last of Us has multiple games. It's not just one. So, like, you could go right. on with this forever. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. It's thumbs up for me. I'll definitely be watching when it comes out. Tony, zombie movie fan that you are, your thoughts on The Last of Us trailer? It, it looks interesting. I watched the trailer. I mean, obviously, we're all a fan of Pedro and everything that he's been had going on. Um, who's the, who's the uh, girl who plays that? Uh, I, I've seen her in other Ellie. things. She, I think the girl's she, name is Ellie. Yeah, she's it's she's character. a really good uh, young actress. So wasn't she? I mean, I don't know. I I just I mean, be honest with you. I I I doubt 
that I'll be checking this out. But I would imagine if you're a fan of of this of the game or of this genre, it's going to be pretty well done. So, what's the name? Bella Ramsey. Bella Ramsey. She's been in a bunch of stuff. I can't. Like, she was in Game of Thrones. Yeah, she was. Uh, yes, she she was. was the little she marmot. The, yeah, mm-hmm. she was the young uh, lord. Yeah, she went down like a champ fighting a giant. So, got to give her 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 flowers for that. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It's I'm worried that for me it's going to be a victim of too much content. Uh, I still got to finish the Lord of the Rings series. I'm about to kick up two series on Disney Plus. We'll see where it fits. I haven't even I didn't watch I didn't watch House of Dragons. I know. Are you going to start Willow? Is Willow one of those series? Willow is one of those series. Yes. I think um, I'm going to watch Willow as well. To be honest with you, did you watch Game Changers? Did you watch season two of My Ducks? No, not yet. No. I I struggled. I, I, to, I really it. struggled to bring myself to good? watch it. It's we just not the same. Yeah, it gets much better. Does it? Okay. Yeah, much. Better. So I got to give it a look. We'll we'll see. There's just again a lot of content. Doom Patrol's coming, guys. A lot to do. That's right. Yeah. All right, let's get to this next one. I'm kind of sad Aesop's not here to talk about this. I'm kind of sad that Dave Ungar's not here to talk about this. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny trailer released. Can I? I want to start with a pet peeve that I have for trailers, and this is actually there's a it's a couple of different things. I, I it's it's a trend in trailers in general, and it actually happened in the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, not really the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, but it also it, a little bit. It happened in the Last of Us trailer. It's happened in numerous trailers where we take a famous song, a popular tune, and we sort of slow it down and darken it a little bit. Last of Us, it's Take On Me. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, it's that tune by David Bowie. Indiana Jones, they take the Indiana Jones theme and slow it down and make it sound all dark and eerie. Please stop, trailer maker people. Like, I don't know who you are, but please stop. Uh, This happens in horror movies all the time. It was cool in The Watchmen. Like, I remember The Watchmen did that, and it was kind of nifty. And then... You know, Zack Snyder not withstanding, but it just happens all the time. And, you know, it took away from the trailer a little bit. Here's the thing. It's one last adventure for, you know, and I like seeing John Rice davies his Sala character, being the one talking to Indiana Jones, trying to get him out of retirement for one last adventure that it seems like it's his niece uh, or somebody who's, like, distantly related to him that is going to take on the mantle We'll see how that goes. Um, but you can't see much out of this other than it seems like there's going to be a lot of flashbacks and looking at the past. I'll probably go see it because I'm, I got such a soft spot for the character and I'm hoping for a redeeming fifth movie after a wretched fourth Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Tony, start with you this time. Your thoughts on the newly released Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny trailer. I'm not an indie guy. I, yes, I, I know can this. Respect, I can respect the franchise. It, it looks fine. It looks like an Indiana Jones movie. I mean, Harrison Ford is still there. What does an Indiana Jones movie look like? Oh, my God. It looks like an Indiana Jones movie. Oh, okay. 
Well, it looks like he's got a, there's a boulder that falls into a thing and he's got the hat and it looks like an Indiana Jones movie. They're, he's carrying, they he's carrying like the whip. A, they look like they're on like archaeological site dig or something, you know? Yeah, there's a whip scene and then he ducks and everybody shoots at him. Like, I watched the trailer, get off my back. I'm not watching a movie, um, <laughs> just some dial. So apparently they, they cut back to like the 40s or 50s or something when the Nazis first were going for the Herald, the Harkov covenant or whatever the fuck it is but yeah i mean they all would have died anyway you know you didn't even have to do anything ray i can't top that i just want you to know that i cannot top that i do have a funny story okay so that day that day all that day all the trailers that come out like on the same day or two or three of them at least cocaine bear for sure um guardians uh maybe the next day but whatever so i we watched them at work and uh, I showed the Indiana Jones trailer, and there's the part of the trailer where he says, "I've never been much. I've never wanted to believe much in magic." And literally, you hear out from the back, "Yes, you do. That's in like all the movies." That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> so that was funny to me. Um, I am an Indiana Jones fan. However, I'm not the type of fan that like I remember everything in the movie i watch the movie it's fun i keep it moving so i don't know if there's anything in this movie that related to the other ones i don't remember i just remember watching the movies and enjoying them so yeah this will be probably be fun i don't know if harrison ford is having a middle oh hello, late life crisis or he really needs money because i thought he hated acting so he's like doing everything again well so I I don't I I don't know I I know he wanted to kill Han Solo. I think they took his pilot's license away, and he decided right. he needed to do something to I stay. Actually, does to do so. I mean, obviously, you know, this this didn't get filmed, you know, yesterday, you know, or even you know in the last six months. But you know, he's got his day busy now. He can't fly. Well, I, yeah, I don't I don't know what Harrison Ford's doing. He went back to Blade Runner. Never thought he'd do that. He went back to fucking Star Wars. Never thought he'd do that. He's now he's went back to Indiana Jones and he just joined the MCU. Like, wow. He went he, for for the record, he went back to the Star Wars franchise because they finally promised to kill him. Uh, which is what he wanted in that Return is. of the Jedi. Like, no, no, I'm not even joking. Like that is a no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is an actual story. Like he felt that Han Solo really should have died in Return of the Jedi. He felt that there should be stakes, and that's always been his thing. It's like that and with stakes comes loss, and there was no loss. So this is allegedly the last Indiana Jones film. Hopefully, it's a it's a to get a better result after Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was just terrible. Um, I feel like it can't be worse than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I will say Dave's reaction made me feel like he's kind of pre uh, pre disappointed. I will say Dial of Destiny is kind of a dumb artifact to talk about, and and one of the things that I will say was great about the original three and even the fourth one and maybe i just don't know my history or archaeology those were real artifacts that yeah. people like search for like the holy grail the ark of the covenant those stones uh like that are, the stones of sheba uh all of those were real things those crystal skulls are real things this seems like it's a made-up thing and that takes away a little bit of the fun and high adventure so that's fair. Did did Crystal Skull kill your even if you had the curiosity? 
of him passing the mantle on to somebody else? No, not necessarily. I just didn't like the uh, the movie itself is just bad. Here's the thing: Shia LaBeouf isn't even really that bad in the movie. He's not who I would have picked him in the. Uh, I, in the movie. I don't think he was pretty. He got put in some bad scenes, like he's fucking swinging across vines like a monkey. That's dumb. Uh, that's not his fault though. That's poor writing. Like that's that's just poor, you know, poor writing and poor scene blocking. So I I don't hold him responsible for that. I uh, here's a big secret. He's he's eccentric and weird, and I don't really care for him as a person. I've never really minded Child Buff as an actor. So. Really good, you know, actually. For he's what it's worth, he's, he's eccentric and weird, and yeah, he's you know he's not quite Ezra Miller bad, but he's he's kind of up there at times. All right, let's get to the last big trailer reveal. Ray actually noticed noted it today. The reason this week was such a big week for trailers is because the South American Comic Con in Brazil took place, and this is an emerging film market, much like China was a few years ago. This is now another emerging film market. And so multiple studios went all in for this Comic-Con. And that included Disney and its own properties, which is why we got both an Indiana Jones trailer, the debuting Indiana Jones trailer, and a debuting Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, Volume 3. It's the teaser. It's a minute and 45 seconds long, so it's not... Not quite the full two plus that we're used to, but we sure do see a lot in this in this new trailer. We get our first look at the High Evolutionary. We get a look at Rocket as a baby. We get a look at Rocket's Lady Love, his soulmate, the uh, the Otter. I can't remember. It's like Lelia Otter or something is her name. It's hard to pronounce. Uh, we we see Gamora. We see the gang all back together. We see what looks like a an unconscious. Peter Quill at one point seems like somebody's gonna die out of the Guardians at least one we can play splits today I'm worried about a certain raccoon personally myself but we'll yeah. see what happens all set to David Bowie of course I'm gonna go see this movie it's coming out in May 2023 I'm there there's really not much this trailer could show me that would have dissuaded me from coming so or going to the film so gentlemen i turn it to you ray cash you go first thoughts on our first look at guardians of the galaxy volume three it's it's interesting you had the conversation about the music which is becoming a i don't mind the trend but it's becoming annoying but the one the one movie franchise that it should be in is guardians because music is so integral to right. the franchise um but um, number one, we kind of talked about it a little bit when we talked about Blue Beetle in ter- terms of irreverent properties that became mainstream. To be sitting here 10 years later and to be as invested as we are in these characters. Like Peter Quill would have always been a character that would have worked, even if he wasn't just still on Earth. But the Rocket Raccoon and multiple versions of Groot and Kraglin. We care about Kraglin, you know, and all these characters. It's I'm I'm me and my daughter watched the um holiday special and there's a part where Nebula's dancing with the mug and it's the funniest thing ever to me. And you're like, oh my god, I love Nebula. 
just fantastic how they've been able to make us care about these characters and this family. We talk oftentimes about how the Fantastic Four is Marvel's first family, and they are, but the Guardians really are the MCU's first family, if you think about it, um, in a way. Um, so to know that this is the end, to know that Mantis and Peter Quill, Pete, finally had realized that they're brother and sister, and then to see this trailer and know that death is coming, the end is coming, finality is coming in some form or fashion. I think it's very striking and very powerful and very interesting and makes you want to see more. Um, you don't want to see who's going to die, but you want to know who's going to die, right? Um, trailers were very well done. It didn't show too much. It gave just this, just a hint, the right amount of comedy, because you know any scene with Drax is going to make you laugh. Um, but it's very well done. I'm very curious, and I like that they that they showed Gamora in multiple, one by herself, and then there's the one scene where she's walking with the rest of the group right. when Quill is in Drax's arms. So, I think it's Drax. But so, it because the idea of this movie was originally looking for Gamora. And nothing of that trailer, or, or even the holiday special, makes you think they're looking for Gamora. So, it's interesting to see her pop back up, because you know she's going to be in the movie. I'm here. I'm interested. Um... I will see your rocket. I think he's gone. And I will add you. Quill dies too. It's possible. Wouldn't surprise me. Tony, your thoughts on the Guardians trailer? It it looks like another great fun thrill ride, right? With all these great characters. Groot is is, you know, progressed into what Groot is now as someone Fighting back to back with Quill, I thought it was really cool with all the branches having the guns and stuff. That was one of the favorite things I took away. But yeah, it's comedy, it's it's emotion, it's a story we've all been invested in. And I think it's Guardians is really probably at the top of maybe not the top, but like in the top mix, you know, top five movies that they like from Marvel is probably a Guardians movie. Um, just because the characters are so fun, the stories are so good, right? Chris Pratt is excellent. Talked about Drax being hilarious. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this. It's interesting to see how it's going to connect, though. What, what's its big play? What's gonna, you know, moving forward going to be? So that's what I'm most looking forward to. But you know you're going to have fun when you watch this one, guaranteed. Oh, absolutely. By the way, did you guys, has everybody here seen the Guardians Holiday Special? Have you guys watched this yet? Oh, yes. yeah. Well, I, I spoiled it, by the way, if you hadn't. I apologize. Yeah. It's no, no, no. Excellent. No, I've already watched it. No, I've absolutely... Okay. That, the reason I watched it is because I... I um, there's an extension of that. Like, you see some reveals out of, a, out of the trailer that if you'd watch the Guardian special aren't surprises. Like, the fact that Groot looks more of his, like, buffed-out Groot. Uh, kind of yeah. looks like he's hit the gym. As opposed to the tall, skinny Groot we were used to in Guardians One, Baby Groot no more, Teen Groot he filled out, if you will. Uh, I'm, there... I'm, it's funny. I'm glad you real quick. I'm glad you mentioned that James Gunn did. A, he did a. I think it was a when he does those tweet and responses. Yeah, he spoke about that. That this is not the same Groot that we knew right. in the original one because Baby Groot yeah. was, and so that's why he looks so different because right. this is a Del Groot. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting because a lot of people think they're the same person. Right. Uh, if you watched 
Um, if you watch the special, you know that the Guardians bought Nowhere from the Collector and have been operating out of Nowhere since the events of Infinity War concluded, or Endgame concluded. So just a lot of really, the, the new ship that you see them flying around is introduced in the holiday special. Also, GoBots, they exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because of the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. The knockoff Transformers, the half-assed Transformers, they beat up Drax once. Great little bit of just, just something kind of tossed in there. You get your first real look at Cosmo the dog as a character, and he's he's in the trailer. You were talking about that big walkthrough. Like, there's this big walk with everybody. Cosmo, Cosmo the dog is part of that walk-up along with the rest of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So a lot of good tidbits and, uh, and like kind of hidden nuggets in there as well. Very exciting for us to check out. All right, that's going to do it for the trailer park, gentlemen. When we come back, we are going to wrap up with some follow-up from Bob Iger's first week back as CEO at Disney. And guys, a lot happened, uh, and we're here to cover it all for you. you um. I'm excited to, to talk about this stuff. Before we get to our recorded commercials, though, I do want to remind everybody here that's listening that if you like what we do here at thechairshot.com and love the content that we put out, the best way to support us is to help us get our name out there by heading over to prowrestlingtees.com and investing forward slash the chair shot and investing in one of our many chair shot t-shirt designs. This does it in two ways. Gives you something to wear on your chest repping the brand and let's be honest, we need financial support as well to keep this thing going. So head over there, get your favorite bandwagon nerd shirt, your Everybody Hates Greg shirt, your Jesus Did the Job shirt, whichever one you like. There's all kinds of designs out there. They're only $19.99. Or if you want to spend a few dollars more, get it soft style. It'll feel great on your giblets. You'll thank us, you'll thank us later in the comments, however you want to do it. Again, we love doing this content every single day here at the Chair Shop Radio Network. And the only way to help us continue to make that possible for you is to get over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in one of our shirt designs. When we come back, follow up to the Bob Iger Takeover as CEO at Disney. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chair Shot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right, welcome back. Um, guys, before we get to it, I, I just have one other thing I wanted to follow up with in regards to some of our previous discussions and the opinions you've shared. It, it just, it just really had, oh, oh, that's just, that's hurtful. That's hurtful. Noble listener, PC Tunny, dropping rude gestures at me in our in our phone call it's it's so mean he's digging around oh there's another one it's so it's so mean it's so rude that i it's guess a, we'll just it's a skill being it's a skill being able to get booed regularly and i guess he's not used to it i mean yeah i guess so um all right so last week 
basically we spent the lion's share of the show, and we're going to do it again, talking about the big shakeup that happened in CEO position at Disney, where Bob Iger, who had been ousted, who had not ousted, he had retired, right on the verge of the pandemic started, retires, brings in his hand-picked successor, Bob Chapek, to take over the reins as CEO at Disney, and it all goes bad for like two years for Chapek, to the point where Chapek was ousted and Bob Iger was asked to return as CEO. Iger allegedly, according to reports, is only back for two years. We'll see if that sticks before he has to pick a new replacement. Well, like I said, we'll see if that sticks. I don't know if it'll stick. Who knows? However, we we, we talked a little bit about just sort of Bob Chapek's tenure at Disney, what we hope to see out of Bob Iger coming back. I don't think any of us... I, I, we knew that there was going to be some things that would come out of this. We knew he was doing a town hall with employees. However, a lot even within this first week of him being back on, you know, at the head of the table, so to speak, the uh, the tribal chief of Disney, a lot's happened already. Uh, we'll start with the employee town meeting, where basically he didn't announce much. You know, really, what he did do is he did say that nobody's going to be losing their job that's currently has their job. However, the hiring freeze that was going to go into effect by Bob Chapek is still going to be in effect for Disney as they look at their financial situation and, and, and try to work out their budget. The other big thing that he talked about was Disney needing to shift its focus towards their their streaming business and making it profitable because the philosophy that Chapek had, which was just add subscribers, wasn't necessarily the only answer to making Disney Plus profitable. Reading between the lines here, guys, I'll start with that. I think that means ads. I think that means ads on Disney Plus more than just Disney ads. Yeah, so like it's a tier though, right? Like so now you get this you get this cheaper tier with ads and then, you know, you won't have the same pay tier you have right now. You'll have the cheaper tier with ads and then or you'll have a little bit like two, three dollars more. And I'll like everything. I either subscribe to it or I don't. And if I do, it's without ads because it's just I Yeah, same. Same. I mean I don't make the most money in the world, but I don't have as many obligations financially as most people do either. But even Ray, who does have a few more obligations than I do, is, is still like, if I'm going to do it. Uh, otherwise, it's it's kind of like the it's kind of like going out to eat, right? Everybody who tries to cut corners on money when they go out to eat, it's like, well, then why did you go out to eat? Yeah. Should just stay just stay home until you can just go out to eat, and not worry about it, right? That's kind of where I'm at. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. It's we all we already discussed this. This is the bigger conversation of everything is going to turn into from a network to a streaming thing, right? And and it just so happens that there's some things on over the air as well, still. But you know, it is what it is. And add to that, uh, the bundle that they have, Hulu has ads, and they have a tier with no ads. ESPN, right. ESPN Plus has ads. I don't think they could ever have to with no ads because ESPN Plus is showing things that are basically called, on 
called Hulu Hulu Plus Live TV Plus Plus Plus. You watch the commercial. Good on you. There you go. Yeah. That is a uh, that is a mouthful. Also stated on Holiday so, Express last. So I don't have no qualms with Disney Plus ever chose to have ass. I just hate that they chose it now. They should have done that from jump. Well, and, and again, that kind of comes down to the philosophy that Iger's pushing versus what allegedly Chapek was pushing. Now, one of the other things he did say is that uh, Disney won't be pursuing any major acquisitions in the near future, uh, that he's comfortable with Disney's current set of assets. So they're definitely not in a place. Okay, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. That's like the understatement of the year. Well, not necessarily because they, they have only Marvel. All... They have well, Star Wars. Right. They have The Simpsons. That's they not have the, the entire Disney library. That's not the I only acquisition you're talking about. They could probably be, yeah, but I mean, come on, this is all streaming based, this whole but, problem. Again, they only own 50% of Hulu. They could buy the other 50%, and that would be more profitable for them. Stuff like that. Like I'm, I don't necessarily think he's just talking about yeah, like. but right now Hulu's operating in itself, and they're sharing in fifty percent of the profits, and and also the partnership. Where as if they've owned one hundred percent of it, they'd be responsible for operations as well. I believe. Who said that isn't worth the conversation? I'm just saying there there are other things besides, you know, a, a, a media library. I get you. <laughs> I get. I guess the opposite is more worrisome than what we're talking about here. That's true. He's not selling off assets. We'll get into a little bit of what that would have meant too when we get to our next uh, when we get to our next argument our article. The other thing that he announced that is typical when somebody new in charge takes over is that one of his first actions is going to be to redo Disney's organizational structure. Chapek had really focused on more of a centralized decision making over content and distribution. And so they've already they've already fired the guy who's really in charge of that, Kareem Daniel. I'm still interested to see what happens with Parks as the guy who runs Parks. Wasn't exactly the most popular, though it does seem like he may dodge the bullet because he was just seen walking down Main Street of Disneyland with Bob Iger. And it seems like a lot of the park changes that we talked about that, you know, like Dave in particular didn't love. And we'll talk a little bit about those. Uh, down the way, seem to have gone the way of um, of Chapek. And so this other guy looks like he's going to survive. The other big thing that was talked about uh, last week on our show was the possibility of Apple acquiring Disney. And with Disney not selling off assets and, and not acquiring, you know, kind of standing pat with the assets that they have, I think that this points to and and Iger even confirmed that Disney's not going anywhere. It's not going to be sold to Apple. Um and if it had been sold to Apple, that would have been a huge, huge concern. But Iger said something along the lines of that there's a misperception about what politics what the politics are. Some of the subjects have been proven to be controversial as it relates to Disney and have been branded political. I don't think they are when it comes to this purchase thing, there's no, there's no plot. There's no plan to, uh, to sell Disney. I don't think this comes as a surprise to anybody. Tony, um, agreed. That's makes sense to you too. There's a lot to Disney. Right. <laughs> you know, wow. I, I, what's up, Ray? I just, 
just, I'm sorry, I want you to finish your thought. I just was sitting there thinking, there's no way in hell Apple can buy Disney. Disney's got to be worth more than Apple. Apple's worth $2.3 trillion. Oh, Apple. Yeah, Apple could buy Apple Disney. could buy Disney. I see that now. I'm sorry. I was thing, but it, this, is, this is kind of in line with what I was talking about, but only in the inverse is, you know, that that's a lot of stuff to, to control and, and worry about and take care of and make sure that this – if Apple were to buy Disney – Apple would have a lot on their plate, and they already have a lot on their plate without Disney. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, and I think the takeaway for me, just from that little information that I just found out, because, again, I was very stupid. I had no idea. I thought it was the opposite. That goes to show you, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, how little your little TV channels and movies are worth. In those grand scope of things, because all Apple got is an iPhone, or iPad, and a computer, and they got trillions, bro. My the God, it's the iPhone. That's what it is. Well, yeah, clearly it sucks. Yeah, absolutely. But again, I'm an Android guy. I didn't know it was like that. And, and it's, I'm I mean, it's never, not. It's yeah. And Ray, you, Ray, you, you know this when it comes to. You know, you know this when it comes to to technology, though. It's not just the technology itself. It's not just what this device can do it's the software to run it it's the operating system it's the clout that apple has within it with, with applications like in like this is this isn't a story i i, I wanted to cover but just the the beef that twitter and apple are having right now between mm -hmm. elon musk and apple over the but type of clout they about, have we all thought about it when we were reading between disney and apple right we all thought about right. what's going on with apple and twitter right now the app's going to stay on the store and you're like you said app the app is huge in apple right but apple but but apple would be fine without twitter is really like apple had all the power in that conversation like they well, really did is, did apple necessarily want elon musk going out and making his own smartphones though yes well, Apple I mean, Apple's not threatened I, I, by Elon Musk and his no, smartphone. No, but but I mean I, I wouldn't want another competitor that had that much money. I mean, why should you be worried? It's just gonna set itself on fire when you try to operate it and it's not gonna work okay. and it's not gonna I charge that. I, I appreciate the comedy and it just proves my point that you're right, that I was right. There's just a little bit of Apple that doesn't want him to do that as well. well There's no bit of and, Apple that wants him. I, I agree more with, with Patrick and streets are talking that. Elon is cash empty right now. That dumbass $44 billion purchase killed that man's bank account. Like he's trying to get money. It, to pay his his level of arrogance is like so special. Two 12 packs for five bucks on that caffeine free Diet Coke. That was caffeine free Diet Coke, by the way, folks. Those gold cans that were on it, those are, that's the caffeine. Free. So he's like, he's like a decaf guy. I'm like, come on, dude. What, what can he really do? All this is to say that we, yeah, we, we just need to realize and acknowledge that we all know that Mr. Tunney is, wait for it. Wrong, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. An even number of wrongs makes me right. Double negative. Jesus no. Christ. Nice try. Ooh, 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 what? Who knows how that brain works over there in Wisconsin? It's all the cheese curds have gotten to his head. It's messed up. Who knows what's going on there? All right, let's go to a, another big thing that I know is of utmost concern to Dave. I just experienced it, but they've made some updates and some changes to to the park going experience already. Uh, 
the first thing that that's really was a very unpopular decision made by Bob Chapek as the pandemic started to change, as the nation's response to the pandemic started to change, there was this dragging of the feet by Bob Chapek to dump what was known as the park reservation system. And so basically, if you went to Disney, if you went to Disneyland or you went to Disney World, um, there's multiple parks within those within those greater titles you would have to make a reservation for a specific park. And if you wanted to do what was known as park hopping, you had to, you always had to purchase an extra sort of privilege to do it, but you couldn't actually hop a park until 2 p.m. And the logic behind the reservation system from Chapek was controlling numbers during the pandemic, keeping numbers down, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And the same thing with park hopping. They actually reserved the right to deny park hopping to people if they felt that the numbers of attendees at the park were too high to then add extra people that were wanting to go from park to park. Well, this week it was announced that the park reservation system is going to go down after January 9th and that park hopping will be fully back. Win for those customers. The other thing that has started to happen back under Bob Iger's look is some of these special deals that were made for locals. The the SoCal weekday ticket, which was this privilege to buy basically a three-day park pass for like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of the week for locals is coming back. Good PR things, but probably what is the most significant win, which is going to make Iger look good, but probably was going to happen under Chapik, the Florida legislature is walking back on Ron DeSantis's big puff out his chest, we're going to revoke Disney Park's self-governance agreement so that they have to pay their, quote, fair share of taxes. That was going to happen, in my opinion, regardless of whether Iger or Chapek was in charge. Chapek took a black eye over the don't, gay, don't say gay legislature, first in his lack of response to it by the left, then by his response to it from the right. That was what led to DeSantis pulling the, trying to pull this away and getting it voted through by the legislature, only for, I think, everybody to realize how big of a financial burden putting the Disney World park system on the county with which it's in if they didn't allow Disney to self-govern itself and manage its own utilities, its own roads, its own construction, all of that fun stuff. That word on the street is that that is going to go back to Disney and keep it. So, this week, it's been a good week for Bob Iger, at least promotionally, even if it wasn't really things he did. Am I wrong? Ray Cash. No, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I know a CEO has, forgive the analogy here, but has more power than, say, a president would. But so much of a CEO is essentially really, truly being a figurehead. So you saying that this may have had some of the last part, particularly, probably would have happened if Chapik was still the CEO. But I guess put this on his, look what I did. You know, and it looks good. And it just continues to show that strength and that um that comfort level, that 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 stability. There you go. That's that um that's a corporate word, that stability that he brings. Um I, I you guys were, were sharing a lot of this in our group chat and I would check some of it some of it I wouldn't that it didn't particularly uh, uh you know pertain to me, so I didn't really get deep into it, but hearing it all out loud now. I feel for somebody like Dave who lives an hour away from the park and, you know, if I can't 
I don't have any specials. What's the point? I, like, I get that. So it's always good for a company of that size that is that supposed to be that user oriented to look out for the people that make them that make them their money. So good on them. I'm glad things are kind of getting back on the right track, so to speak. Um, if nothing else, would you argue? And the financials may not add this, but because they own a fucking broadcast channel. But wouldn't you argue that the parks are probably more important to the overall aspect of Disney than anything else? I would say... Um, I know financially that sounds stupid. I get that. I, get I don't that. think... I'm I don't, about here, here's, the, here's the thing. is as a, The thing that was happening with Disney parks over the last two years and really utilizing the pandemic to kind of exploit that... <laughs> Was this shift in philosophy? Like, Disney was always an expensive experience as a destination for for families. Like, mm-hmm. I just dropped the price of a, a reasonably treat, cheap car to go. Like, you know, I dropped close to twenty grand to go to Disney. When you factor in staying on property at a resort, I paid for bells and whistles and. Fortunately, I'm in a place financially where I could say, fuck it, let's do it all. But Disney really did have things that were very much like beneficial to at least making the experience, like allowing you to make an experience kind of good and fun and magical. And one of the things that was, I think their P, I think for their PR, doing good things at the parks helps their overall brand. Their revenue comes from, from entertainment and films. Uh, like it just does like that's that's where they started but they were they were getting a real black eye with the changes and the price increases and removing stuff that were popular and part of that was what they were not doing for locals like it used to be a benefit to be local to to go to the parks and to have a park pass and they, they took that away now whether that was Iger or Chapik or the people under those different regimes like that hurting of that branding then hurts the overall brand of Disney. Yet we were all still spending our money to go see their movies. We're all still spending their money to, to buy into their properties. So I think that one of the things that was most telling to me was Iger pointed out, we have a bad, where our, our brand is dropping in the eyes of the consumer that it showing that we care or don't care about them. Like it was really looking like we don't care. Like the joke memes that would pop point out, um, just like the, the, the price of a Coke going up to $6 for, for a bottle of Coke on a, on a, like a, on a, at a Disney park. That's, you know, it just doing it because we can. And that's the thing is it was just like, we're doing this cause we can. And that, that sucks. They, to walk back on some of that, right, now our price is going to go down and everything. I don't know. I don't think so. But you've got to you've got to at least do what you can to reverse some of your bad image stuff to to help your overall branding. And I think that's what doing right by the parks would do. Tony, you look like you're about to speak. So what's up? Well, it's interesting, you know, to raise point and everything about what you know what's bigger. You know, how many people go through the turnstiles at at Disney parks? How many people went and saw Wakanda Forever? Yeah, that's one. Yeah. 
clearly um, from a revenue I would say clearly that's a stupid argument. But I'm just saying the, from a no, no, no. But the, I would say the the local things that they're doing is more important on the park side because those are your there's where the majority of your goers are going. Maybe not the majority of your money is coming from, but the majority of your money is coming from so many different places, right? So that's more of a fan, personal, live and close in living color experience where the rest of it is all content driven fan as far as the fan base goes. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's funny because it feels like Disney was like so clairvoyant to go, hey, you know, we're going to take a hit here because of all this pandemic stuff and, and someone's not going to look good. And, and, and Bob Iger at the time, we don't we don't we don't want that to be you. We we think you're doing a great job. So why don't you take a little vacation? Uh, tell us somebody that's almost capable that you think is probably going to be gone soon. If you have a good relationship with that person, that's great. And then, you know, we'll, we'll let you know when it's a good time to come out of the uh, come out of the Mole Man Cave. I agree with Mr. Tenney. Okay, so let's let's move on from parks. No, 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 no. There's nothing to really argue there. Like, I don't I don't have anything new to, to really contribute to that. What I what I do have. Uh, is this last little tidbit that, that's come out. And this is in regards to the entertainment side. And that is uh, memos regarding the, the MCU and reevaluating them and basically the output that has happened. Now, we have talked about superhero fatigue, God, how long on this program? Basically since the start of Phase 4 and... A base, uh, essentially, what's being said here is that Marvel was reportedly unhappy with Phase Four and is considering major changes to the Five, Phase Five, and Six slate, where we're maybe reevaluating and getting back to looking at future resources with more of a quality over quantity sort of filmmaking process. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean that we're going to spend more years, like that the titles that are here are going to start to get delayed and spread out more? Does it mean some stuff's going to get cut? Does it impact shows like streaming shows? Where do you think it's going to go? Um, what I've seen on Twitter reports is that it's not going to get rid of anything that's being slated, but that there's going to be some intentionality in its development. Tony, I'll start with you this time, then we'll go to Ray. What do you think of this this internal look by you know this alleged internal look by Marvel at its stuff? Somebody there has a job with nothing to do, um, and I, I mean, come on, don't you? There's there's it, like there's always someone where you work, right? And it's not necessarily it it's all the time, but when they have nothing to do, they kind of just make up things to do. Um, it's kind of like, you know, the driving instructors. They're not 100% necessary, really, for the most part. So sometimes they just kind of fail you because make sure people come back. Or, you know, you, you, we can all think of jobs where it's like, you know, well, you're, you know, the boss that comes in and walks the floor or something for a retail and they have to find problems with it. Well, they're going to find problems everywhere because it's their job. And if, if they didn't, they wouldn't have a job. So 
I feel like that's kind of along the lines here where I'm coming from observing this. Ray, what about you? What do you think? Well, I hate this whole notion in general. Um, I, 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 it, it bothers me. The... Some of the coolest things happen in phase four. Yeah, and, and the, 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 and maybe I'm being the ass here by assuming this, but given the article, it makes it seem like there's the preponderance that there was, that everything in phase four wasn't done to the best of their ability. And I disagree. I think it's okay to say I didn't like that and acknowledge it was still done well. And I think that we can't do that as a society for some reason. So just because I didn't like Black Widow, I'm not saying me just particularly, or I didn't like Miss Marvel, or better yet, the one that's really killing everybody, I didn't like She-Hulk, doesn't mean that it was bad. It's just you just didn't like it, and that's fine. Going And going further into that situation, speaking, moving from that to the whole uh, fatigue, I get it. Cool. Whatever. I don't understand why our society thinks that everything has to be catered to me and I have to see everything. You don't have to watch it all. If this ain't for you, don't go watch it. It's there. I can't tell you how many people I know that have, haven't watched all of this, that, that, or the other in Marvel and then randomly on Disney Plus two, three years later watching like, oh, that was good. Cool. I'm glad you finally got a chance to see it. You didn't need to see it then. Or I got friends that'll call me and say, hey, I'm about to see this movie. What do I need to know before I watch it? I'm glad you asked. Here's what's important. You don't have, they're not, when Kevin Feige and the whole clan over at Marvel are sitting down and saying, this is phase five. I don't think they're expecting that Patrick O'Dowd, I want him to go see this movie, that movie, that movie, that movie, that show, that show, this movie, that show, this presentation. They just want to make good stuff and want to make money. If you go watch it, Great. If you don't, great. But you know what? There's 8 billion people in the world. You don't have to be the one person that goes to watch everything and feels like that's a burden on you. So that idea to me is wild. Do you think they mean from a storytelling aspect? Because here's the, li here's the list of what happened in Phase 4. Films, we had Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, No Way Home, Doctor Strange, Love and Thunder... Wakanda Forever, TV series WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel, the I Am Groot baby series is included, She-Hulk, and then you add two specials, Werewolf by Night, and like Patrick alluded to, everything ended with the holiday special from mm -hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy. So what was bad there? What out of any of that? We've all... Listen... Everybody's we we've all watched at all of these, right? We've all seen yeah. every little bit of this. I think maybe they're talking about more of a storyline. They want something to tighten everything up. Maybe they look back and see the complaints from phase four was everything was kind of setting up and we didn't know where it was leading to. Maybe they just kind of try and get to the point a lot quicker and stay a little bit closer. I don't know. If I may real fast, Patrick, and because I know you I want you to because you you probably gotta make sense of well, I, I have a question for you guys go oh. ahead no go ahead um i've heard from people that they didn't like this i know people <coughs> excuse me for sure i can tell you people didn't like a good portion of people didn't like eternals they didn't like miss marvel they didn't like 
Um, She-Hulk, for sure, we know about that backlash, right? A lot of them like Black Widow. There's a theme, but, you know, ignore the theme, but there's a theme. Um, Eternals was so disliked, we might never get Becky Lynch in the MCU. Which sucks, right? I mean... You know, it, 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 how bad are you as a, as an actress? I mean, I, no, she's not. She's fine. But how bad? What what what's so? Who's she playing that they can't show twice deleted scenes in movies? I think that's relevant to this this you know conversation. Well, apparently, the scene she was in was so depressing for the for what they were trying to show. It just didn't fit the theme. Um, but was she playing? Was she playing a male character? What was that? Zurus is that was the speculation. They haven't said, but they thought that it may have been a gender-bent version of that, yeah. Um, but to get, I know you want to ask your question, Patrick, just there are people that there, there is a real feeling that people don't like some of the stuff that's been coming out. Now, if you ask them why, they can't tell you. The real reason is, one, there's a section of people that don't like women led by movies, uh, movies led by women. That's just what it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for those of you listening who offended by that. If you're offended, it's probably you. And secondly, you just alluded to it, Tony. People don't want to wait for things to happen. They need it to happen now. And so much of phase four didn't make sense to us or people. I say us as the populace, because it was happening in real time. But phase four was very clearly, and I think to all of us, about grieving the loss of what happened at, after Endgame. And setting up the future of the phases. Simple as that. But because it wasn't spelled out for people, you know, like phase three and phase two was, we couldn't we couldn't wait that long. So I'm sorry, I've talked long. So are we only looking at quality and this word quality purely from a storytelling lens? Because I do think there is an argument, particularly with some of the Disney Plus series, that quality can be called into question in regards to the quality of the product that we saw in front of us. And and I would even talk, you know, I would specifically point out that in some of these series, the special effects, the, the the computer work, the graphic work was not the best she hulk is a is a good example there even with revamped and redone she hulk there's some stuff that doesn't look great is that part of it and not necessarily the story which by the way i do think some of it is a you know a little bit of what you're alluding to that people didn't get the story they want uh i think eternals gets maligned i loved eternals because it wasn't a typical marvel movie um, I did not care for Thor Love and Thunder um, in the sense that I thought I didn't think it was particularly bad, but I also like we nerd approved it, um, but I also thought it leaned too far into comedy uh, and too far into the tight. Yeah, it was too Taika Waititi. I don't know. For for my the life, interaction with, with Russell Crowe is freaking hilarious. There, oh, in, in the I'm not saying there's Cora. not funny. I don't. I'm not saying there's not funny bits, and I'm not saying that it's not an entertaining film. And in fact, it's funny. My favorite parts were the bits with Christian Bale and kind of the darker part of the story. So some of it is, like you said, it's personal preference. But, you know, I specifically when I look at the, the, the franchise series, the Disney Plus series, is some of those outputs haven't been 
of the highest quality of film product. Maybe not story, but what you actually see on the screen. And that, you know, that kind of hurts it a little bit. So, and that's what I saw a little bit in, there's a Twitter thread. I didn't share it uh, with this with this rundown. But part of what that says in that Twitter thread is being more willing to take our time with actually making the product itself look high quality so that She-Hulk isn't noticeably fake, like inserted into a screen, for example. Then why are we out here announcing like the next 10 years of what's going to fucking happen and, and being beholden to it? You know, once you know, like, stop stop announcing when things are going to come out until you know when they're going to come out. Just be like, yeah, we're looking at like, you know, winter of 24, spring of 25. That's the, all that we need. It gets pushed back to the summer. We expected it already. Right. Like they're too specific. And like with trailers, like I said, this is kind of the thing too. Like, I don't just let me know when you're for sure about it. And with trailer, I don't need to know all the funny parts either. That can ruin a movie as well. Right. I don't need constant updates with two, three minutes of fucking shit from the movie. Well, Tony, you'll 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 be able to to um, really feel this. How how often are we all three of us? I mean, even though Patrick, you're in some level of management, Tony, technically you are too. I mean, well, no, technically I am too. But you get the point. We're at the bottom of the totem pole in the grand scheme of the company, right? Um. How often is there a decision made at the CEO or at the executive level that makes the people on the on the grounds job that much harder, but they'll never know because they never go down to that ground level? Now, I'm not saying anything negative about Kevin Feige, but there's been multiple conversations and threads and articles and, and complaints about the VSX team being extremely overworked. And to your point about the She-Hulk and about some of the um, Disney Plus series. And so when you talk about announcing these movies, this, that, and, and uh, phase five, phase six, down to 2025, well, the reason we do that is because the company has become too big to manage, essentially, or the, the, the franchise has. So that's what fans expect and they want. And, you know, we, we can do this because we've been doing it this far. But nobody's going down to that little graphics group and say, hey, man, you guys are all right. You need some water? But they're probably working 16 to 20 hour days trying to get stuff out because, all right, we just finished She-Hulk. Oh, hey, by the way, this new Guardians movie coming. We're ready. We need it in two, in two months. What? So that's, that, that seems like what the problem is to me. It just seems like the top isn't checking on the bottom, and the bottom is the one doing the work for the top. And you just keep adding and adding and adding. How many times have we talked about on this show um, – such and such movie was supposed to come out in May of 2023. Well, now it's coming out in August of 2023. Well, now it's coming out in December of 2023. Because they're not checking on the people who are actually doing the movie. Yeah, so... Thank you for that very detailed back and forth over, over quality. That was kind of what I was hoping for there. Is that, I, I do think that it's more than just the stories being told. I do think it is about the look of the product that's being put out there and the work that's being, you know, and it's not just Marvel movies, by the way, where VFX artists are, are put under a lot. Like the film industry in general shits all over VFX unless you work for ILM. And even then, 
you're getting put under a lot. It's it's why I mean there was literally protests at the Oscars a few years ago for the benefit of VFX folks. But there's a lot of pressure to get these movies done. And and some of it's our culture where we are now. We are a don't care how we want it now sort of culture. Dave in particular, like we made fun of Dave a lot for his demand for trailers, right? Like I want the Wakanda Forever trailer. I want the Ant-Man trailer. It's the timing is never right for the guy. Um, And Dave, I love you. Um, And Dave, I think is representing a good microcosm of our fandoms and what some of it's actually been kind of created. It has been created by Feige with this whole timeline system. Maybe they realize they bit off more than they can chew. And I'm okay with it being slowed down. We're getting plenty of Marvel content. We're getting plenty of content. We talk about having too much content anyway. Uh, if if it leads to strong results, then nobody's going to complain or care. So, Is this a reaction maybe to, oh, I don't know, like expectations? Considering a little bit. DC, no, considering DC is kind of changing it up a little bit. Like, hey... Oh. No, 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 no. But from a no, no, no. From a perspective of listen, they're going to get better. We need to keep getting better. I don't think they give. I don't think they give an iota of a fuck about what DC is doing. I don't know. I don't know. You're a DC fan, and I don't mean to. To I don't mean to dismiss you like that. I'm clearly also a fan of the other company as well. No, again, I'm not dismissing you. What I'm saying is. There's I know probably DC more is, people in Marvel I like character-wise than DC, but overall, I agree. The storylines I like. DC. Right. I'm not. I'm not trying to dismiss you, but I do know that you care about DC and the idea of what they do a little more than Marvel. And I know that. Again, I apologize for seeming dismissive. I don't mean that. But what I mean is, I know you want DC to do well. Right. Nothing that DC could ever do at this point would ever make marvel think twice about anything because right now marvel marvel could pull out a movie about fucking what's the dude with the gold balls and the 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 dude that makes balls in the x-men about him it'll make a hundred million dollars they don't give a fuck because they can't so like that was low hanging fruit (laughs) poking the bear there man but they, they, they could do whatever you know so i don't think they care about that i think it's more of Everything they did before this was either critically acclaimed to the top level or made well over what it was expected to make. And this is the first time that they didn't get both of those. And it made them question, wait a minute, what, what, they don't love everything we're doing? So I think it's what it is, personally. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Tony, you're right. And if I am, I'll gladly come to you and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Oh, anyway. I think we'll we'll see more and more... <sighs> We've got some more conventions coming. We we've got we've got a lot more news coming down the pike. We'll we'll react to it as we always do on Bandwagon Nerds. We'll talk to it. We'll talk it up as we always do on Bandwagon Nerds. But it's it's an interesting first week in the return of the Bob Iger era at Disney. Uh, I hope to see more, gentlemen. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Just. I can tell you, well, the Bears lost again. Good job, guys. Seth Rollins hates football. That's how I know. And 
since since starting three and one, the Packers have been on a downslide. But Rodgers is like, I'm not losing to McCarthy, and I'm <laughs> not, not losing, and I'm not losing to the Bears. Uh, oh, so there the you go. Just like Bob Iger refuses to lose Disney from its fans. All right, everybody, we're gonna get out of here. Before we do that, quick once around, tell everybody where they can find you on the socials. And on the Chair Shot Radio Network, this week we will start with Mr. PC Tunney. You can follow me at PC Tunney. Make sure you're heading on over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Chair Shot. Chair Shot Radio Network, all your favorite streaming platforms, and the Chairshot.com. Always use your head. Uh, yeah. And Wagon Nerds every Monday morning. Ray Cash. You can find me at Attitude Ag, that's A-G-G, and you can follow me on Facebook at Attitude of Aggression. All right, thank you, sir. And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist, that is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can listen to me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network, Monday on Bandwagon Nerds, Tuesdays with David Ungar doing some Chair Shot Radio, usually Hockey Talk, and on Wednesday with Craig DeMarco, uh, at Talking Wrestling as part of the Greg DeMarco Show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and follow all the Disney news because it is going to be hot and heavy. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.